Welcome into the Power Alley. I'm your host, Pat Melicaro. The winter meetings have concluded from Vegas, and we're just about to put a bow on the 2018 calendar year. But before we do, I thought it'd be a good opportunity to check in with the voice of the Durham Bulls, Patrick Keenis. Patrick had the unique ability to work with Charlie Montoyo, the new Toronto Blue Jay manager, in his first couple of seasons with the Durham Bulls, while Montoyo was the manager of the AAA affiliate of the Tampa Bay Rays before he went to the big leagues and had the opportunity to not only find out about Charlie Montoyo, the manager, but also Charlie Montoyo, the person, off the field. We'll check in with Patrick about Charlie Montoyo in just a couple of moments, but first, it was a unique end to the 2018 season for the Bulls as they spent the entire Governor's Cup final in scranton Wilkesbury, serving as the home team at times on their way to another Governor's Cup championship. And I talked to Patrick just about what that experience was like. So for folks that might not know, the Durham Bulls had quite the interesting postseason this year, Patrick. And we look back at 2018. Uh, how was the playoffs in terms of all the, the shuffling that had to be done with the hurricane coming through the Carolinas in forcing the Bulls to be on the road for a majority of the postseason. It, it, it felt like it was the, the road trip that was never going to end. Uh, it, it, was, it was a little bit similar, Pat, to what we experienced in 2017, although in 2017 there, there was not a hurricane that impacted us, but we, we spent a good week in Scranton during the, the Governor's Cup Championship in 17, and then a few extra days because the National Championship was also in Scranton. And so now, fast forward to 2018, with the hurricane coming through, suddenly the entire championship series gets relocated. And, and, and again, it felt like we were in Scranton for a good solid week, which, which in essence we were. But, but it was in, in, in some ways, it was pretty comforting, too, because we, we had been through some duress before. And, and the team seemed quietly prepared to, to deal with it. So... Uh, what, what some of the, some of the aspects that were really unusual about it was, you know, the, the Bulls actually acted as the home team in in several of those games against the Rail Riders, which meant our walk up music and and some of the other things that we could kind of teleport from the DBAP up to PNC Field. So so it, it was it was interesting to see the the PA guy and the, and the music guy at Scranton's field, you know, play Kian Wong's walk-up music when a game began and, and some of the other things to try and make it feel a little bit more like genuine Bulls home games, even though we're playing up in, in, in Scranton once again. And for Mer manager Jared Sandberg, I, I had to have to think that, you know, he, he had managed th this Durham team and, and a lot of these players for a couple of years now. And that familiarity with, with this, this team also probably had to help in, you know, his experiences uh, in his time in Durham. It, it did. And, and I tell you, he, he grew so much from year one to year four as the manager of the Bulls. And, and we, we have been, we have been really blessed as an organization to have such remarkable consistency, continuity, pick your term on managers from Bill Evers, as long as he was the manager of the Bulls and as successful as he was to Charlie Montoyo, now uh, through Jared Sandberg's four years. You know, he the, the issues that Jared ran into in year one were uh, he didn't have a great deal of managerial experience. He'd never been at the AAA level. And frankly, age-wise, he was very close to some of the higher-end aged players on the team. 
And so kind of put, putting that dividing line between, you know, player to staff member was a bit of a challenge for him. And, and so having worked so closely with him over the years, I really had a chance to kind of watch his growth as a manager, as kind of a, a member of, of the executive team, if you want to call it that, and just and, and watch how his process changed, how his responsibilities changed, how he accepted uh, the, the new role of, of moving further and further away from being a, from being a former player to now running an organization and, and doing it so well and so meticulously and, and so successfully. But but certainly he, he relied on on the experience from the previous year. You know he he had overcome a lot of obstacles just as the team had. You know with with the constant player movement as the Rays have and as the Blue Jays certainly have seen the last few years in Buffalo. You know the, you you figure out th- those that becomes more white noise than it does something that truly impacts your day to day preparation to try and win a division, win a first round of the playoffs, and and win another governor, Governor's Cup. And, you know, maybe sometimes it gets overlooked because the players are, are what we talk about in terms of development and, and their growth throughout their, their time in the organization. But the managers have, have such, and the coaches have such a hand in that too. And really, Durham, you went through the list there. They have had some very good managers and coaches. And I think that's one of the things that year in, year out, we talk about the prospects that Tampa Bay may have in the system, but it's the coaches mm-hmm. as well that get the most out of the talent before they make it to the big leagues. Yeah, they do. And, and, and the Rays in particular uh, really, really lay, lay a lot of, a lot of credit and for, for the big league success, maybe more so than any other major league organization. They lay that at the feet of their coaching staff in the minor leagues of their scouts and of their player development, you know, personnel, you know, the coordinators and the, and the leaders in, in those departments, because there there are there are as you know I mean there are organizations around uh, professional baseball that don't put a high degree of emphasis on winning games well the Rays do I mean the the, the Rays the Rays feel it is very important from the coaching staff through the players to experience what winning means because they want that mentality when those players do get to the big leagues especially because they're such a small payroll small market team uh, that that's why I was a little surprised at the Jake Bowers trade to the Indians last week, because the, the, one of the things that the Rays loved about the two cornerstones of position players, Willie Adamas and Jake Bowers, these guys had been like brothers for for years coming up through the organization since Bowers was traded from San Diego, and so so when Willie came over from Detroit, when Bowers came from San Diego. These were like kindred spirits, and they had climbed the ladder with one another. They had won at every level. They had won with the Bulls for a couple of years, if you include 2018 in their successful portfolio, that that they had seen those two as really the position player building blocks for for the next run toward the playoffs that the Rays are, are, are hoping to make. And so I was a little bit surprised, actually more than a little, that Bowers was sent because because of that connection between Willie and, and Jake. But they know what they're doing. They know what they wanted back, and, and they, they have a long longer-term strategic plan as far as this offseason goes about you know what, what their lineup needs to look like against the pitching in the American League East. 
Patrick Kienis joins us here in the Power Alley. And, and Patrick, as you're talking about what the Rays value in terms of winning in the minor leagues, I, I can't help but think of the mindset of Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins and how much that meshes with Charlie Montoyo mm -hmm. in, in the new manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. Is, you know, I remember the time when, when Mark was the uh, farm director for the Indians when the Bisons were affiliated and winning there was such an emphasis on winning and how that will maybe help Charlie Montoyo in his relationship with the front office, knowing how they want their minor leagues to be built. Yeah, I, I think it's very true. And, and, and so, so happy for Charlie. And, and I know when, when he was, and I'll get to your, to your comment in a minute, but when, when Charlie was hired by Toronto, I, I, I couldn't help myself of scrolling through a lot of the the fans' responses when he was hired to to the Toronto Blue Jays Twitter account, and I was I was quite disappointed with with some of the comments of who is this guy? He's a no name, um, and, and and making other kind of disparaging comments about about him or a picture, and it was just it was just so saddening because. You, you and I know, and the Bulls fans know, and the Rays organization knows, and, and all of the people in baseball who understand the game, who have committed their lives to the game, they know, they know what an incredible manager Charlie is. They know what an incredible person he is. They know, they know what, what he has gone through with, with his family, with his, with his young, young boy, with, with all the heart surgeries when he was a, you know, a, practically a newborn. Uh, they they know what a quality character person he is, and clearly the the Blue Jays organization know this because you're not just handing over the reins to an organization like the Toronto Blue Jays to somebody if you're not fully convinced they're the right person. And and when I talked with Charlie a couple of days after he was hired to 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 get the story of just how quickly how quickly it came from the Rays reaching out to Charlie saying, Charlie, the the Blue Jays would like to talk with you to the point only a couple of days later where he has offered the job should tell the Blue Jay fans, the, the, the ones that may still have some questions about, is he the right guy? That should tell them all they need to know because Charlie's reputation is just unblemished in this game. Uh, knows how to win, knows how to, how to deal with discipline, knows how to put players in the right position to succeed. Uh, he, he, keeps, he keeps his entire bench fresh. He, he handles the, the media the right way. He, he always has an explanation for whatever decision that, that, he, that he makes. Uh, I remember one of, one of the first things, when, when I came to the Bulls in 2012, Charlie was the manager there for a couple more years. I had met him, though, in AA when he was managing Montgomery. And one of the things that he loves to do, which is kind of lost in the game now, it certainly is diminishing, is he loves to talk about the game when the game is over. You know, back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, Pat, you read all these stories about that's all that's all guys did. Managers, players, coaching staff, game would end, whatever the result was. And you just sat around it with a pitcher of beer or a two liter of Coke and you just rehashed the game. What happened? What could have been done differently? Why did we do this? Why did they do that? You just talked about the game. That's just what you did. 
nowadays, as I've seen in the game the last 15 years, that's changed, but not for Charlie. The, the, the staff he had back in 2012 when I started with the Bulls was Neil Allen, a uh, longtime major league pitcher, Dave Myers, longtime hitting coordinator and coach in the big leagues, and, and Charlie. And so when so after one of the first games of 2012, my first year, I was not used to, A, that conversation in a clubhouse, and B, being asked to participate in that conversation. So after the first couple of games of that 2012 season, you know, Charlie would ask me a couple of questions. Hey, what did you think about this? Or what did you say when I did that? And I just thought he was trying to get to know me a little bit. <clears throat> As it turned out, th- this is something that we did practically after every game for his for the for the years we overlapped in Durham in 2012, 2013, and uh, and 2014. Uh, he he's a baseball junkie. That's all he wants to do. And so we would have. You know, sometimes just a bunch of baseball jam sessions or venting sessions, um, de- depending on the outcome of a game or a series, how the team was playing. I, I loved that. I, I gravitated toward that. And he loved it, too. I mean, he he is a baseball guy through and through. And the Blue Jays know how lucky they are. And the Blue Jay fans are going to find out if they don't believe it already, how lucky they are to be to have him lead in their organization. I'm glad you touched on that because you're right. It's one of those things that I think Blue Jay fans, once they started to read some of the stories or the testimonials, like yours just a moment ago of people that know Charlie, not just as a manager, but as a person, I think over the last month, fans have started to warm up to Charlie Montoyo as the Blue Jay manager and the possibilities that they're going to be with a young team and what he might be able to build with his relationships knowing what he's gone through, not only yeah. personally, but professionally to, to, you know, be a minor league manager and then uh, uh, coach in the big leagues. It, it took a long time to get to this point in his career. Oh, no question. And, and, and he and I had many conversations, you know, would, would, would he ever get to that point? Would he ever get a look? Heck, he, I mean, over his last couple of years in Durham, I mean, he wasn't even he wasn't even getting interviews for jobs yet, and when and 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 he and he should have, and I and I don't even to this day know why that wasn't the case, but you know the, 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 there were there were times when he and I discussed, you know, there, there I remember one one in particular. There was one situation where he played college baseball at Louisiana Tech, and during his time as the manager of the Bulls. Louisiana Tech reached out to him about taking his temperature to being their head baseball coach at the college level. And and at that stage, it kind of pulled me in because I do a lot of work on the college side. And, and we chatted about what, what that lifestyle would be like. And again, at that stage, the, the money you're making as a AAA manager is, is not life-changing. And when you have a wife and two young boys and medical bills and you don't have major league baseball insurance and you've had five at bats in your major league career and you're not getting marketing royalties or anything from baseball cards. Those are decisions when you're in your early forties that you need, you need to, you you certainly need to explore because time in baseball goes fast. Uh, And again, at that stage, Charlie's name was, was barely floated as, as a potential interview candidate for 
job A, job B, job C that would open up in the major league. So, so there, there certainly were, were, I guess, doubts that, that he would even get an opportunity to interview, let alone be hired. Now, certainly, the you know when when Joe Madden left and went to the Cubs, and Kevin Cash was brought in, and you get the coaching staff shuffle with Tampa Bay. They are an organization that loves to promote from within, from the minor leagues, the major leagues, as we've seen over the last several years. And that that is when it it, it kind of became an opportunity for him to get a little bit more more visibility in the big leagues and and show show all that he could do he 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 has so many different skill sets from you know coaching third base to going onto the bench as a bench coach and uh, he, he's extremely versatile and and sometimes if you're just in the minor leagues managing you're you're overlooked or people don't know if you if you can handle certain aspects of the job so so what we've seen you know over over the last 4 years with Charlie up in the big leagues uh, it, it, it's just kind of cemented what all of us knew about his ability and and uh, his ability to manage and and what he can do for an organization. But I I think he certainly needed a couple of years up there just to kind of add a little extra layer of credibility uh, of success in the major leagues that that you don't necessarily fully fully develop if you're a 20 year minor league manager if that makes sense. Just a couple more moments here in the power alley with Patrick Keenis. And, you know, one thing I think, too, that that helps with his time in the big leagues is I, I, I listened to his comments with the media at the winter meetings. And, of course, Tampa Bay tried some very forward-thinking um, strategies, including the opener last year, which uh, helped the team to, to very much success um, in the regular season. And I, I was impressed with Charlie just sitting back and saying, I want to sort of see what we have as a team. Because yeah. what worked in Tampa might not work in Toronto. And I think for fans that, again, are, are still trying to find out who Charlie Montoyo is, I think that tells you a lot about him as potential going into next year as the manager. Yeah, and, and as, as, far, as far as that goes, if we want to talk about the, the opener for a minute, and you know, the, the, it certainly worked to tremendous levels of success for Tampa Bay. And it, and it, and it gained a lot of traction with the, with the national media about what, what what the heck is this? What what's going on? Why are they doing it? Um, is this is this a fad? Will it burn off in a year or two, or will the Dodgers begin to adopt it because Andrew Friedman is out there and there are a lot of Rays connections, or or will this kind of you know cross change the game and cross other organizations, or or is this just a you know a, a one year situation for the Rays? You know, and and Charlie is 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 right on in, in terms of his description, the, 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 the ingredients for the Rays to do what they did last year. And we may even see a little bit of uh, continuation in 2019. The, the, the ingredients had to be perfect for this to even materialize they had, they had internally, it sounds like chatted about it a couple of years earlier, but the reason it happened is because there was a spate of injuries all at once late in spring training. I mean, the, the, it wasn't. It wasn't the mission. It wasn't the campaign of the Rays in December of prior to last season that this is what we're going to do. We're going to change the way that we're doing things just because. I mean, they had Honeywell and De Leon go down with Tommy John injuries. You know, back to back days. They had Eovaldi have a a big setback. They had 
you know, four or five major significant starting pitcher injuries from January through the end of March that impacted their depth of starters. Well, they're not Major League Baseball is not going to delay a season because you don't have enough starting pitching or traditional starting pitchers. So, what were the Rays' options at the, at that point? And that's that's when the idea really began to be hatched. Of listen, we can we can we can add a Yanni Chirinos and a Ryan Yarbrough into our rotation. Are they ready? Probably not. We can call up a couple of guys from AAA and have them be our fourth and fifth starters. Are they ready? No. That's why they they would be down in Durham. Or what what about? I mean, it's it's outside the box thinking. It it does tend to make a little bit of sense. And as the as the idea was fleshed out more and more, it became something that at least it's worth exploring. It's at least worth trying. It may not work, but then they had some success with it. And then it became pretty novel. And then then they began to kind of tweak their approach. And and again, the the, the injuries that they were still dealing with were not going to be healed by by june so you know that 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 that's kind of how how it how it all began so but again are, are the blue jays in that situation no are, are are most teams in big league baseball going to find themselves uh, that thin with starting pitchers where they need to creatively think about how to make up for it make up the innings and turn it into an advantage no but at that point in time in 2018, the Rays had very, very few options on on how to get through games, and they were creative about it. They had some success with it. Uh, Ryan Stanek was, you know, was was opening. It seemed like every other game for a couple of weeks for the Rays. Sergio Romo was was doing the same, and then then they could, you know, use Ryan Yarbrough as a as a matchup long guy uh, from the left side against left-handed heavy lineups. I mean. There, there's there there was an art to it. There was a there was a real uh, kind of scientific piece about how they wanted to do it to put them in a competitive advantage to win games. When the other option was, you know, call up somebody from call up an Austin Pruitt from AAA and let him start games and and uh, go two and two thirds innings and you're down four runs and you're going to your long man in your bullpen and. The traditional way just wouldn't have worked last year. Now, will the Rays do it again this year? It's possible. Are they going to be healthier with pitching? Yeah, it was certainly with some of the deals they've made. And Honeywell and De Leon should be coming back by June or so. But are they bigly ready when they come off a of surgery? No. And Honeywell needs a little more time in AAA. De Leon needs time in AAA. But but at least at least they know that some other option is there if needed in 2019 and I, I think the Rays have taken a lot of heat for it I think they've been mocked for it but I think again the the, the baseball personnel who understand the game realize the the Rays are on to something you know if that situation ever arises for us maybe that's something that we can either adopt or adopt and then adapt to depending on what our situation is but will the Blue Jays need to do it? No, this is not a Rays philosophy up and down the minor league system that they've been working on for 10 years. It was a 2018 out of necessity movement that the Rays did, had really good success with. It gained a lot of traction. And should they need to do it again, 
now they know we've had success, and certainly they would, they would uh, have, have no qualms about doing it again and probably tweaking what they did last year to have even better results if they need it in 2019. Well, Patrick, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts on uh, the Rays organization, Charlie Montoyo, and, and giving our fans uh, an opportunity to peek behind the curtain a little bit and know about the, the man in Charlie Montoyo as well. So thanks for a few minutes of your time today in the Power Alley and look forward to catching up with you come 2019. Uh, glad to be a part of it. And for the Blue Jay fans out there, if you have an opportunity to meet Charlie and Charlie's family, please do so. He's one of the most quality guys that we have in our game. And uh, Pat, my, my pleasure to be on the show with you. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Power Alley. Hope you and your family have a happy and healthy end of 2018. A happy New Year. Look forward to checking in again in 2019. Until then, I'm your host, Pat Malacaro.